time for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. So wake me up and it's all Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show. It is Saturday Morning Coffee for Saturday, December the 17th, 2022. 7.08 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for waking up with us here on 94.5 at Saturday Morning Coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things going on in the world that we need to bring you up to date on here at Saturday Morning Coffee. We're all about limited government lower taxes, all the things that mean more freedom, more freedom for you, more freedom for me, more freedom for all of us who are we, the people. We got a country to save folks. And it starts right here in this studio, right here, wherever, right there, wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice. Information is power. And we aim to empower you here at Saturday morning coffee. Join in the studio as always. Mostly always by producer extraordinaire, Dr. Glenn Dye. I've been here more than you have. I know you've been. You're more. You're here more than I am. <laughs> happy Saturday, morning, Reese. Uh, happy uh, pre-Christmas week. Pre-Christmas yeah. week. Have you got all your Christmas shopping done? I'm good. I'm good. I, I need to hit the liquor store for some people, but that's about it. When I hear the um, when I hear the ads uh, for you know the last minute. You know, you're like, get your last minute shopping in. That's right. usually when I start the Christmas shopping process. <laughs> no, no, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I am not that guy. And how many times have I been to the mall this year? Zero. Zero. Nope. I don't really, do you really go to the mall anymore? No. The last time I went to the mall was a Christmas. I walked in, um, I think it was a sharper image store. Yeah. I like, I, I'm, I don't think I parked in the fire lane, but I was close. And the guy said, I've never seen anybody do what you just did. You walked in, you grabbed the thing, and you came right here. And um, I'm like, yeah, I knew what I wanted. And he said, well, I'll hold it for you while you do your rest of your shopping. I said, dude, I am parked right outside that door. I am not going into the mall. I came to your store only. This is an in and out. This yes. is a quick hit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, we went, uh, we had to go to the mall. We went to see a movie. It wasn't too long ago. We were checking out, and so we went to... Uh, Anyway, I went through the mall and I thought, mm, this is kind of why I don't come to the malls very yeah. often. I just did want, it's not, yeah, not must be. It's but not you know, a social place anymore. Yeah. We're not young. We're not yeah. getting into trouble. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. When we were younger, mm-hmm. um, you'd go to the mall and you'd see half the people you knew there of yeah. all ages, yeah. not just young people, but middle-aged people, older people yeah. that, you know, either that they're, they're walking. So yeah, the mall go, walkers. The mall walkers. Yeah. But, you know, it just seems now when you go to the malls, it's just not the same. No, but, and, you know. and, and back in my days when I was 15, 16, my parents would drop me off at the mall. I would do four, three, four magic shows for a, a music company, Jordan yeah. Kitts Music, yeah, yeah. and they never had to worry about my safety or anything. I'd stay at the mall all oh, yeah. day long. You know, I think um, we had been told for many, many years 
that online shopping would change yeah. our world. All those things would change that yep. we had taken for granted for so many years. I think we're finally seeing that the the results of all that. I mean, Absolutely. it's come full circle, and you know, it's a, a lot of people do all of their Christmas shopping online. My wife does ninety percent of her Christmas shopping online. So. Have you uh, gone to a mall graveyard online yet with a drone flying through a, an old? Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, I've it's, seen this. It's it's kind of amazing the deterioration of a mall when it's not kept up. With. When it's not maintained. Yep. Yeah. What's interesting to me is the way they're repurposing some malls. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the malls that, like you said, have fallen into to you know uh, idleness, vacated. Um, there's a thing. I, my wife's family is from Columbia. Um, they made a. Those of you who ever spent any time in Columbia, huge mall up there, Richland Fashion Mall. Right. Um, been in decline for years. Uh, they've recently done a, uh, I think, an announced a, a deal to redevelop Richland Fashion Mall. So that's going to be a big, uh, uh, a big new development. So that'll be that'll be good. But yeah, it's interesting how those malls were so popular back in the day, and really just most of them have fallen either by the wayside. And we had a, a a great mall on the south end where we live, Glen. Once upon a time, yeah. Inlet Square. Yeah, wonderful mall. Once upon a time, it's you know you walk through there and it's still active. I guess it's, mm-hmm. there's still things there, a few things, but it's. You know, it's a, there's a church. Yeah. There's, you know, yeah. there's a Planet Fitness. Yeah, there's a and, lot of unused rental space And a space ton available. of unused space. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, Reese, um, with with malls disappearing like they are, uh, and, and a lot of them, like Springfield Mall. You know Springfield Mall up there in Northern Virginia? Oh, yeah. That was yeah, yeah. torn down. That was yeah. a huge place. Huge. And, uh, and it's all just, you know, condos and, and stuff now. Um, and with the, with the losing of the malls... Um, you know, the online shopping has proven it's just taken over. But what's funny, Glenn, and this is an interesting thing that I, I don't really get. They'll sometimes they'll redevelop those malls, break them up into like little town square mm-hmm. type developments, yep. break up the buildings, yep. you know, you know, uh, get rid of the covered, you know, mall areas, break it up into separate buildings, make a little coffee shop here. And suddenly people will start coming back. Like you Tanger know? Outlets? Yeah, like Tanger of. Outlets, that kind of approach. And you're like, well... Why does that make a big difference? I'm just thinking out loud. But well, I'm, know, I'm curious: Is that Tanger Outlet, uh, Coastal Grand Mall, yeah. would they survive if we were not a tourist town? I believe that's the one of the main reasons that they're still here. Yeah, I think that's tourists, why they're still here. Tourism. I think a lot of people, you know, particularly in the shoulder seasons, I think people coming to the Grand Strand uh, yeah. shopping is one of the big deals. Go penny tax. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so it's a lot going on. By the way, did you catch the uh, launch of? Uh, I yeah. missed it. I saw it. it. Just I saw a post from Ed Piotrowski about thirty minutes after it went over. Yeah, I was not outside, yeah. but it looked like it. I had several friends of the show. They you know, we talk about some of the launches. They saw some pictures. Snapped me some photos, but I, I missed it. You know, it's a, it, it's interesting though, Glenn. I thought about it as it happened. You know, we talk about a lot on the show that government is not our answer. Government's not your uncle. Government's not your dad. It's not your sugar daddy. And anything that the government can do, generally private sector can do better. You know, and I was, it's interesting, I was thinking about it last night as I was prepping the show. I was looking at a documentary about the uh, space shuttle mm-hmm. and, and all the, the, just the hurdles that they crossed and uh, the space shuttle enterprise and learning how to fly the shuttle in atmospheric flight. Talk, talking about all the, the tests and all the, pro, uh, all the processes they went through to get the shuttle program up and running. And, and now we've got a situation where, you know, when they first started uh, trying to do commercial space, some people said, oh, this is, you know, this will be, this will be decades in the making. Um, and yet here we are. We've got space flight now has, is fairly routine again. Yeah, like every other week. Yeah. And, and we, we talk about launches all the time. We, we see them regularly uh, leaving Cape Canaveral and the Space Coast. So 
it just goes to show once once the private sector gets engaged and puts its mind on a problem, we've accomplished so much in just the last few years, and and spaceflight is quickly becoming routine again, in a way that the shuttle and NASA were never able to make it really routine. Yeah. So look at the X thirty seven. It's run by uh, the I think it's the Navy, might be the Air Force, yeah. but it's a little space shuttle. It's only like thirty feet long, fifteen foot wing, wingspan. And yeah. it goes up for over 900 days at a time Yeah, because it's, it's unmanned. Pretty amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting stuff. I always uh, enjoy watching the uh, launches, particularly when the weather's clear. And uh, we got apparently a lot of you got a beautiful view of the Falcon 9 launch uh, yesterday. We invite you guys to uh, call in on the show. Join us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Call in line 843-903-2945. You can also text us your comments. Well, thank you, Mr. Producer. There you go. Also, text us your comments to the PCRX Mobile Outfitters text line. That's 843-798-TALK. You can tweet your comments to the show. At Reese Boyd is the Twitter handle. Email address for the mailbag is ReeseBoydSMC at gmail.com. And those of you who like to call during normal business hours can reach us at the firm of Davis and Boyd. Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law. Find us at 843-839-9800. 839 9800, we got a lot to talk about here today on Saturday Morning Coffee. Hope you guys will uh, stick with us. We're going to be joined in the second hour um, by my friend Jonathan Butcher with the Heritage Foundation. We're also going to be talking to Oren Smith. They're going to be talking to us about education versus indoctrination of your children here in South Carolina schools. We're also going to be talking in the second hour uh, to Jerome Hudson. Jerome is the author of several books. You may know him from the Liz Calloway Morning Show. He's going to be talking to us about his books, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know and 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump. So, a lot to talk about here today on Saturday morning. A lot to get to. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more of the show. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Liz Calloway here for Conway Ford, your hometown dealership. It's our favorite time of the year. We're collecting toys. The United States Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program is collecting new unwrapped toys for less fortunate children in our community. And Conway Ford is a major drop-off location. We need your help more than ever this year. Help us put a smile on a child's face this Christmas. Over 100 pre-owned vehicles in stock and new inventory arriving daily. Conway Ford, exceeding expectations every day. Merry Christmas. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour 721 on your Saturday morning. 
wanted to uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. It is the Christmas season, little Christmas edition, uh, Christmas season edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. A little Christmas music for you this morning here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Glenn, what is the uh, coffee du jour this morning? What are you drinking? It is Back to Pete's um, uh, Major Dickinson. Back Ice. to Pete's? Yeah, Pete's. Yeah, Pete's. Very, very good. Coffee. Good great stuff. coffee. Good stuff. want to remind you guys that uh, great coffee uh, and a great Christmas gift for your friends and loved ones, office mates, sponsor of the show. A One Nation Coffee makes a great gift, proudly roasted in Charleston, South Carolina, USA, sourced all over the world, including some top secret locations. And even better, when you purchase One Nation Coffee online, you get a discount if you use the Saturday morning coffee promo code so check them out onenationcoffee.com and even better yet uh folks not only do you help uh saturday morning coffee but when you purchase coffee through one nation uh coffee you benefit the one nation foundation which proudly supports veterans active duty military and first duty responders you can find more learn more about one nation coffee at onenation-foundation.org or check out uh, the One Nation Coffee mini selections at uh, onenationcoffee.com. You can buy it uh, ground or um, beans. And you, they don't have, I think they're actually building a coffee shop, Glenn. Uh, that was the last time I up, got an update from them. So if, we, if they ever get the coffee shop up and running, which I think they will, uh, the, I think the target date is sometime after the holidays. But when they get the uh, coffee shop up and running, maybe one day we'll get on to a local broadcast. Field trip. Field trip. For uh, Saturday morning coffee from One Nation uh, Coffee down in uh, Charleston, in the Charleston area. So you can ch- invite you guys to check them out. A lot of good uh, selections. I'm drinking the Mother of All Blends this morning. Ah, you've got some of the Mother of All Blends. The Mother of I All Blends. I don't bl- have it, any of that. It's good stuff. Have to get you some more. Yeah. We got. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, we'll try to give some uh, Mother of. Oh, actually, your choice, folks. We'll give away some One Nation Coffee today on the program. So, uh, yeah, do, uh, do be listening for that. We'll try to give some uh, coffee away this morning on Saturday morning coffee. Always like to do that for you guys. Also, uh, Glenn, what wanted to ask you, have you been uh, following the uh, revelations on uh, Tucker and other places about the uh, JFK assassination? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, quite interesting this week. There was a much anticipated, uh, release of additional documents. Right. uh, Related to the JFK assassination archive. And it was my understanding, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it, it was my understanding, uh, Glenn, in the lead-up to the, to the anticipated release of uh, several thousand uh, supposedly pages of documents that we hadn't seen, there were, um, supposedly, I thought that was going to be pretty much the remainder of the archive. That was what I understood. Now, remember, uh, those of you who may not know, back in, I think, 1992, Congress passed a law that said... Um, by no later, I think they gave them like 17 years, but no later, or actually longer, no later than 2017, I think was the, was the law, that all records related to the J, that there was a presumption that the records should be public mm-hmm. and that no later than 2017, so 92, 17, you know, 30, over 30 years or over, over 20 years, the, um, the records related, I'm still awake, I'm, I'm not fully awake, y'all, the math is a challenge this morning, mm-hmm. um, by 2017, all records related to the JFK assassination would have been made public. Right, and we thought that Trump was going to release them all, but that didn't happen. And it's weird that Biden would be the guy. <laughs> that just... But it turned out to be, and it turns out, that 
in the Trump administration. And and J, and that was something that Trump said that he would do. But apparently, as I understand it, and I've done a little research this week, uh, Pompeo, right. his CIA director, leaned on Trump right. to hold some things back. And they did another release. So the Biden administration did another uh, release uh, this week. And it turned out to be basically a nothing burger. Uh, Glenn, it was mostly records that had already been released. So it was uh, a few thousand additional pages, but they were mostly records that had already been previously released. And one of the things that caught everybody's attention uh, was the fact that there's still records that are sealed. Hmm. And and yet we're well past the deadline set by Congress uh, for the to make all this information public. And Tucker was talking about it uh, this week. He said, you know, it's interesting, Glenn, you have to, you know, let's remember for those of you who may not remember the history of all this, but there were two gunmen involved. The gentleman that we all, I think generally everybody believes killed John F. Kennedy, Lee Harvey Oswald, Mm -hmm. was himself killed um, in the garage Mm -hmm. beneath the Dallas police station by Jack Ruby less than 48 hours later. Right. And the, uh, Government then convened a panel, the Warren Commission, chaired by Chief Justice Earl Warren. In less than a year, they released a report, said that the two gunmen were acting independently. Uh, nothing to see here. Just keep moving along. No conspiracy. And, and of course, at the time, I think most of the nation did move on. And uh, But what happened is, it, as Tucker put it this week, he said nobody knew at the time how shoddy and corrupt uh, the Warren Commission uh, was and they kept pressing, but ultimately the CIA admitted under oath uh, nearly 50 years later that they had withheld information from investigators about its its own relationship with uh, with Lee Harvey Oswald. And Tucker talked this week about how it was the Warren Commission, their response to the JFK assassination, that the term uh, conspiracy theory uh, came into the lexicon. Tucker said this week, he said, you know, the term conspiracy theory did not exist as a phrase in everyday American conversation before 1964. And in 1964, the year the Warren Commission issued its report, the New York Times published five stories in which conspiracy theory appeared. Hmm. Now, he talked about this, now today, (laughs) conspiracy theory is a label that people brandish every day. If anytime you say something politically right. that they don't want you to either acknowledge, think, or for they don't want other people to know that, oh, that's a, you know, you're a, cons- you're a nut job, you're a right wing conspiracy theorist. Yeah. The left wing, well, yeah. They're the ones that call us out on that. Yeah. And, and, but Tucker just noted this weekend, he, he, he's been talking about this for a few days now, a couple, at least a couple of days, Thursday and Friday. He said, you know, in April of 64, a psychiatrist, uh, Louis Joylin, was in, uh, visiting Ruby in his prison cell and certified that he was uh, clinically insane and needing in need of treatment. And it turns out that this guy worked for the CIA. I didn't know that. This is another thing that people forget, uh, Glenn. In 1976, a joint house, a special house committee issued a bipartisan report that said JFK was almost certainly killed as the result of a conspiracy. Now, remember, the Warren Commission said, hey, nothing to see here. Right. Nothing. No, two independent gunmen acting independently within 48 hours of each other. You know, the single bullet theory. Nothing to see here, no conspiracy. But in 1976, a Joint House committee issued a report that said almost certainly JFK was killed as the result of a conspiracy, but they did not identify or determine 
exactly what the conspiracy was. And so that made me think, and Tucker didn't really address this, but why do you leave it there, right? If you, if you, if you have a select committee that issues a finding that says there was a conspiracy, but we don't know exactly what the conspiracy was, why would you leave it alone? And so, so this thing has continually been festering. There was the movie, the Oliver Stone movie, the JFK movie. And obviously, people continue to believe that something uh, was amiss, awry, something was going on. Bigger than Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. yeah. And again, in ni- by, by 1992, Congress passed this bill that said, look, by 2017, which is now in the rearview mirror by quite a few years, that the uh, full disclosure of all records related to the JFK assassination, what, what happened, Donald Trump, as you said, said he would do it. Mike Pompeo put the brakes on it. This week, the Biden administration has done the same thing. Glenn, we're talking about something that happened 60 years ago. Right. What could possibly be the rational justification for your government to continue to keep these records a secret? I'd love to hear one. I don't know what that reason would be. As Tucker pointed out, it can't be about protecting people. No, because well, persons. All the, yeah, all the people yeah. involved are dead. Well, but their families aren't. Well, that's a yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah. And, I mean, they've released more on UFOs than they have the JFK assassination. So. Yes. <laughs> and and um, so w- one of the things that, um, and there's a clip I want to play, but one of the things that Tucker says, look, the only really rational explanation at this point is that they're protecting and the institution. Right. So there's an interesting clip that Tucker played uh, last night. We'll get to it after the break. Stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, and we're talking to Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Real Estate Team. Greg, it seems like a lot of folks are concerned about rising interest rates. It seems to be a challenging time in the real estate market. What would your advice be to folks who maybe want to get in the market, but they're concerned? What great question, Reese. The market has definitely shifted. Everybody knows that. And let's face it, the past two years, you could list your home at any price, in any condition, with any agent, and it's going to sell in an hour and a half with three offers above asking, right? Well, it's not like that anymore. I've been through multiple real estate ups and downs. The biggest one in 08, 09, and 10. I think the public, the sellers that are looking to sell their home, they need experience right now more than ever to navigate through this challenging market we're in and into the future. Folks, that's great advice from Greg Sisson. Reach them online at gregsisson.com or schedule an appointment at 843-251-2693. gregsisson.com, your choice for real estate experts here on the Grand Strand. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Thanks for sticking with us here on the big show, 736 on your Saturday morning. What are you stopping for? I'm just, I'm looking, I'm having some technical. We're on, this is radio, this, this is TV, radi- they can't see you. Yeah, so. they, they can't see you. I'm looking at the, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, spinning beach ball of death here on my laptop, having some technical difficulties with the clip. Don't know if we'll have that audio, but uh, I was going to play an uh, audio clip for y'all. But the point, um, one of the things that Tucker did this week, talking about the JFK assassination yeah. uh, this morning and the release or the unrelease of Rick Tucker has now, uh, because Biden administration has act to cloak this whole matter in an ongoing shroud of secrecy. And again, the question becomes, or is, why the uh, secrecy? Why is this assassination that happened in November of 1963, Glenn, why is it still so imperative that records related to this assassination be a secret? And the obvious answer, of course, is the CIA that's been already admitted under oath that it was withholding information was either somehow obviously knew more that they could have resolved the investigation if they had been willing to share their information or that they had some kind of role in the, in the, in the assassination. And one of the things that Tucker's story was about, he had a source in the CIA who allegedly has access has seen the documents in question that have not been released and they contacted Tucker's producers, his investigators, Tucker. Somebody contacted this guy, talked to him, and he said, yeah, I believe the CIA was involved. The release was on Wednesday. Tucker came out with that revelation on, I believe, Thursday. And Friday, the, um, on Friday, the uh, intelligence community, he didn't say who, somebody from the CIA or somebody <clears throat> in the intelligence community reached out to Tucker's folks. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, whoever told you that was breaking the law. They didn't say that the information was false incorrect, right. or incorrect. Right. They just said, hey, whoever told you that was breaking the law. So here's my question, Glenn. Let's say there is a further release. Somehow we get to the point where uh, this information does come out and there is information that becomes clear, this professor, by the way, that Tucker had on his show said that this whole release is a nothing burger and this is just more subterfuge. So suppose we get a clear, so there's another Twitter dump. We get clear documents, Glenn, that enter the public domain, suddenly become available to everybody, that the CIA had a direct role, direct involvement, in the assassination of a president. I'm not saying that happened. Right, right. Take, get the right. tinfoil hats off, everybody. Right. But, the, but the point being, things that we have dismissed as conspiracy theories for years are increasingly starting to look like... <laughs> the truth? The truth. Is coming out. And, I, I mean, you look at the involvement of the FBI with President Trump. Government is overreaching and, and not being fair to the people. And that's my point. Glenn, think about this. If... A government can do this. What else is it capable of doing? And what else has it done? And what else is it doing that we're not aware of? What this reveals, the significance of all this, not just do we, we've got to solve 
the JFK mystery, if it is to be solved, if the Warren Commission was shoddy and corrupt, and the report is a sham, as many have suggested now for decades, right. um, for years you were led to believe if you didn't buy the narrative of the Warren Commission, you were a conspiracy yeah. nut. Yeah. Um, it's increasingly looking like that's not the case. You're not a conspiracy nut if you don't buy what the Warren Commission said about the JFK assassination. But here's the thing. Riddle me this, Mr. Producer. Riddle me this. If, again, documents come to the front, to the public attention, that unequivocally show that the CIA had a, had a role or was responsible for, or you name it, was culpable, however you want to describe it, in the assassination of a sitting U.S. president. What do you do with that? Where do we I, where do we go from there? I don't know. Um, I really don't. I, I it, it you can't at this point. What are we? Thirty? How many years later are we? Yeah. Uh, 50, wait, fifty, sixty. 50, so we're fifty eight years later. Yeah, close to sixty like years. Sixty yeah. years. Um, I, I I don't think you dissolve the CIA, but it seems to me people have been calling lately on the dissolve of the FBI. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I don't know what the answer is. I I don't know how you resolve that. Clearly, a nation in in a dangerous world cannot exist without a defense department, right. without an intelligence service. Right. But what this reveals, Glenn, and is bringing into like full relief is what we've known that mm-hmm. there is a deep state, that there are large, there, there as Tucker said this week, there is a government within a government. And there is a government out there that is beyond the control of democratic government. Mm -hmm. So we elect these people. We send them to Washington. We send them to Columbia. We're really talking about the federal government at the moment. We send these people to Washington and we do that because we want them to run our government. We want them to be in charge. And what we see now is that we have created a government that is so big and is so sprawling and is so deep. That's the, I think that's the yeah. issue, that there are whole areas of the government that are beyond democratic control. Man, just look at Twitter. I mean, that's really all you need right now is just look at Twitter. All the lies, all the deception, yeah. uh, the doctors being silenced, the, yeah. the Trumpers being silenced. I mean, I think before before this is all done. So I, I don't know where you go from there because you really have, I think, a, a serious there's a serious hole in the dike. And, and what do you do with that? I don't know. What do you do with the CIA? And by the way, there's there's other stories that have been published that the CIA is now uh, routinely spying on U.S. citizens. Mm-hmm. That, uh, NS, that NSA, the listening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is not something that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, the, the Central Intelligence Agency is supposed to direct its intelligence gathering activities uh, to foreign soil. It's not supposed to operate against U.S. citizens. Right, on the homeland. On the homeland. Yeah. That's not the purpose of the CIA. The purpose of the CIA is to keep us safe from the people out there mm-hmm. beyond our borders who would do us harm. We also have allowed the FBI to engage in limited uh, domestic intelligence gathering activities for purposes of keeping us safe from uh, you know, counterterrorism, counterintel, operations that do happen on our soil but for the most part the cia is not supposed to operate on u.s soil against u.s citizens it's not supposed to happen it, it surprises me that we you're the release hasn't taught us a whole lot but there's more more that we need to know and it's it's funny that somebody something whether it be the institution or a, or a 
person or a family members or what have you, somebody is being protected. Yeah. Um, other than just the CIA as a, as a whole. Yeah. Here's what needs to happen, folks. And I don't know if you caught the. Uh, did you catch the Trump release? The uh, uh, Trump, the big announcement, not the NFT trading cards, uh, but the uh, you know his big announcement about uh, the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Yes. Okay. Censorship. Thank you. Uh, not only. Not only. Um, We've been talking about JFK, Glenn, but there have been huge revelations over the last week that the FBI has directly acted in concert with Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley companies, Facebook, Google, others, and literally engaged in a cooperative effort acting as a joint venture uh, to censor Americans Mm -hmm. and to curtail our speech and to change, quite possibly, the outcome of elections by manipulating what happens on social media. And, and, And in the regular media. And in the yeah, regular media, I mean, absolutely. Boy, Not all just those the, people are definitely in the pockets. Yeah, but <laughs> you've got, but so you've got a complicit media. You've got big tech that is wholly in the tank with big government, and you've got a a, a, a Washington government, a federal government, and a and a law enforcement arm of the federal government that's been weaponized for political purposes. Right. These things cannot coexist with freedom, people. In case you can't <laughs> figure that out, those last three or four things that we just mentioned. Don't go together. One of these things is not like the other. And a free people is not like any of that other stuff. So if you want to be free, if you want to be a free people, as the, pre- as the president, as Donald J. Trump said this week, we have to bring that to heel. Yeah. We have no choice. Whatever the cost, however high the mountain is, we got to bring all that to heel. If we don't crush that like the dirty, rotten, roach-filled, scoundrel-ridden uh, evil that it is, we're we're done. We're not a free country. Yeah. And it's funny that a lot of people are now jumping off the uh, Trump bandwagon. You know, jumping off. Yeah, there was a lot of people in the media that are, you know, hoping that Trump decides not to run, and he already said he's running. Yeah. So it's going to come down to the primary, I'm sure, and DeSantis. I, I guess we'll see. But a lot of people are not behind, and I think a lot of I think polls say. Let's move on. Bring in some fr- fresh blood. I think is what I, the words I actually heard. Fresh blood. Yeah. Some people, many people say, um, you know, Trump is divisive. That mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's a, certainly a lot to be said for that. Yeah. But having said that, um, it, you can't. How can you argue, Glenn? Even if whether you like Trump or not, how can you argue with where the country is today versus, versus where it was True. at the end of his presidency? True. I mean, they have they have destroyed how to how to destroy a country in 24 short months yeah, is but, what we've lived through. But there are people that say he is the only person that can fix this, and other people that say no, there's more than one person. You know, he's this isn't Jesus we're talking no, about here, and it's this not. Is, no, I am a 110 percent supporter of, and I didn't always agree with him on every single thing he did, but right. on, on some things. Frankly, he educated me. I mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily agree with some of the things he initially did on a trade. But but listen, how can you argue with where we were then versus where we are today? The principles of the the, the priorities of the Biden administration versus the priorities right. of, the, of the Trump administration. Yeah. The priorities the priorities of the Trump administration were to do what was best for this country and to make America great again. And he did a darn good job at doing it. And the president, our current president, has a lot of dead people on his hands. I yeah. mean, that fentanyl problem coming across the border Amen. is a real, 
real bad problem. Speaking of border, I know we got to take a break, Lynn. Yeah. Many of you checking in on the PCRX Mobile Outfitters text line. Tom Heron checking in, reminding me that the CIA is directed uh, to operate outside of our borders, but that implies that we have a border, folks. Yeah. And with this True. administration, we don't have a border. Right. We have a, a sieve. We have a. We're, and by the way, a country, folks, without a border is not a country. It's just a place. Right. And that's what we are right now. We're yeah. a place that anybody can go by wading across a shallow river. Mm-hmm. I and, mean, and put your hard-earned tax money to work supporting them. Supporting them. Yeah. Great. Wonderful witness. Thanks, y'all. I will uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more, more Saturday morning coffee, a lot more to come. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Let them see. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Everybody, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I want to remind you guys to stick around for the second hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. We're going to be talking to uh, Oren Smith with the Palmetto Policy Institute. We're also going to be talking to Jonathan Butcher with the Heritage Foundation. They're going to be talking to us, talking to us excuse me about indoctrination versus education in the schools, including the South Carolina schools. We're also going to be talking to Jerome Hudson. Jerome is the author of several books, including 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know and 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump. Jerome is an entertainment editor at Breitbart.com. You've probably heard him on the Liz Calloway Morning Show, and he's going to be joining us this morning to share his wisdom with us here on Saturday Morning coffee so looking forward to that so stick with us also want to give a shout out to one of our kind sponsors on the show the greg sisson real estate team the greg sisson team is currently doing uh, a little giveaway and uh wanted to remind you guys that you can participate in that it's the greg sisson team's 12 days of giveaways they're at day eight and it's day eight of our giveaway like our page and share this post to be entered into a drawing to win a hundred dollars off any session with Photo Myrtle Beach. So uh, check out the Greg Sisson 
Realty Team, Greg Sisson Team, brokered by eXp Realty. Check out their Facebook page. Search for Greg Sisson Real Estate on Facebook. Like it and be entered to win in their uh, 12 Days of Giving here at uh, the Christmas season. So check them out mm. online. A lot of you checking in on the PCRX Mobile Outfitters text line. Thanks for uh, yeah. to us. As, uh, Thanks, Popeye. Yeah, Popeye's got, some, got some great stuff checking in. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, <laughs> Come man. Come on, man. Popeye's got some great stuff for us. Uh, a lot of you checking in. Good this, old James from Myrtle Beach. James from Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Man, I tell you, y'all just are, we got some smart listeners, yeah. uh, Glenn. Mel at the Reckless Rooster. Mel cooked some uh, great spaghetti for us uh, this week. Mel, great to hear from you this morning. Hope y'all are doing yeah. well today. We got a couple of new listeners with just numbers checking in on the PCRX Mobile Outfitters text line. If you guys will uh, text us what you want your handle to be, we will add you to our list of de- deplorables. Tony. The bass player, as Cat Turd said, Twitter is so much more fun. Now, I wonder if uh, Adam Kinzinger is going to be okay, Glenn. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's having a moment. Uh, he's having a moment. <laughs> Cat Turd? Cat, no, uh, Adam Kinzinger has been, uh, he's yeah. been triggered yeah, by, because, by, by Cat, Cat Turd. Turd. Yeah, yeah I, I Cat heard Turd. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Poor Adam. I'm yeah. sure he's emotional about it, too. Oh, he's, listen, it's, it's... And the fact that he, he retweeted or he tweeted back late at night, that tells you that the guy might also have some other issues that we don't know about. But it's, that emotion, I mean, that's passion, Reese. It's that time of you the month. You need well, those kind of people running yeah, our country and investigating Adam Kinzinger. I'm going to miss him so much. <laughs> Democracies are not defined by their worst days, Glenn. No, they're not. So uh, on the subject of defined by their worst days and continuing our thoughtful discussion, I hope, of a government that's too big for you to keep tabs on it, I want to remind you guys. That uh, in March we had a uh, we had a, um, a, a much discussion about where we were headed in Ukraine, and at that time we uh, talked about a quote. There was no discussion. This is from the Pentagon, senior Pentagon U.S. official. There's no discussion about putting a Patriot battery in Ukraine. In order to do that, you'd have to put U.S. troops in Ukraine. What did we find out this week, Glenn? From the pages of the Associated Press. Uh, Pentagon prepares to send Patriot missile systems to Ukraine. So, hmm, what's going on there? A lot more to talk about. Stick with us for the second hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in our programming belong solely to the announcer and not necessarily to the host's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Listen with caution. WTKN Talk 94.5. This is a paid program. Said the night went to the little land. Do you see what I see? We open the sky, little land. Do you see what I see? The star, star, dancing in the night with the tear as big as a kite. With a tear as big as a Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, 807 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on the big show. 
just before the break, we were talking about, uh, well, we were talking about a government that's too big for anybody to know what it's doing, Glenn. We were talking about the CIA and, and 60-year-old secrets and the fact that in March, the Pentagon said we won't be sending Patriot missiles to the Ukraine because if we send Patriot missiles to the Ukraine, we'll also be sending U.S. servicemen to the Ukraine. Because Patriot is, if not the most, it's one of the most advanced systems weapon systems that we have in our arsenal mm-hmm. you don't just put it in in the box with a instruction set and ship it to ukraine <laughs> it's like erector set it's not like an erector set yeah. you know and so and out of the blue glenn this week courtesy of the associated press wednesday december 14 pentagon prepares to send patriot missile systems to the ukraine have you heard anything about now, U.S. troops going now, to Ukraine? No, they, you know, they they said there was another package being put together. They did not want to disclose what was in that package yet. That it hasn't all come together. It is BS. Uh, you know that they were sending missiles that have been what they call uh, uh, kind of scaled back, so they can't yeah. go as far, so yeah. they can't shoot a missile. Yeah, into I know. I, I get Russia. it. Yeah, I totally get it. I, yeah, I mean, listen, Patri- I feel for the people. I feel for anybody who is under siege. But right. are you getting the picture we're painting here today? Yeah government that's too big for any of us to know what's going on not being told participating in the assassination of presidents possibly they won't tell us yes or no but after 60 years the fighting wars that they won't tell us about that's a defense system yeah but my point being nobody in congress to my knowledge has authorized the deployment of troops to the ukrainian theater remember that's a huge decision that means joe Joe told us they wouldn't be going yeah and uh, my point (laughs) But then he also you a, said, you get a ding for you're going to see when you get there. Yeah, Remember, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Same, We're going to go find week. out. Yeah. We're going to go find out what you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah. You got to read the bill to figure out what's uh, in it. it. That's the point, Glenn. If we have U.S. troops on the ground, you just hit the nail on the proverbial head. If we have U.S. troops on the ground engaging Russian forces, yeah. holy, and yeah. nobody's talked about that? Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. What, what, what planet are we on? It wasn't in Jean-Pierre's book. Yeah. So anyway, we're running behind here, folks. Yeah. Um, want to sh- switch gears as promised. We are bringing you two very special guests here this morning on uh, Saturday morning coffee. I'm uh, privileged to be uh, follow the Palmetto Promise Institute. Make sure I get that right. We know Oren Smith at the Palmetto Promise Institute. I get their emails and they send out great stuff. You should follow them online, folks. Get their social media um, page. Uh, I'll post that again on the uh, Saturday morning coffee page. But uh, this uh, this uh, week, I actually last week, I got an email from them since the December six education versus indoctrination was the email from the Palmetto Promise Institute. Since the onset of COVID nineteen, movements of parents have sprung up overnight in America. Some have adopted names and launched Facebook pages. Some have incorporated themselves as permanent organizations. Others, for now, just email trees and group text. Whatever their size or level of organization, these little platoons, as Edmund Burke would admiringly call them, have quickly formed because parents are finally weaving the strands of evidence together. Again, as we talked about in the first hour, we're talking about education or indoctrination. What's going on in your schools? Moms and dads finally understanding that for years, even decades, their children, their teachers, and their schools have been in the crosshairs of a host of national organizations dedicated to imposing their progressive agendas on your children. So this was a fascinating piece, a great report that uh, Palmetto Promise has issued documenting how various organizations are working together 
some directly, but just some indirectly because they share common objectives to get their fingers into our schools. So we're joined now on the program by two very special guests who helped to author this report. Uh, one is Oren Smith. He's a senior fellow with Palmetto Promise Institute. He's been there for many years. I've known Oren, as we were talking last night, practically forever. We're also joined, and he's been on the show many times. He's a regular guest here on Saturday Morning Coffee. I always love to hear from Oren. We're also joined this morning with us also through the through the wonders of technology by Jonathan Butcher. Jonathan is the Will Skillman Fellow in Education at the Heritage Foundation. He is the author of Splintered, Critical Race Theory and the Progressive War on Truth. That book came out in April 2022. I encourage you guys to grab that, check it out. Uh, I haven't read it all, but I've, 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 I've started it. It's a great piece. Jonathan also co-edited and wrote chapters in The Critical Classroom. That's a, another Heritage uh, publication this year discussing racial prejudice that that results from the application of critical race theory in K through 12 schools. And this I did not know about Jonathan until last night. We share a, a common thread. In 2021, Governor Henry McMaster nominated Jonathan to serve on the board of the South Carolina Public Charter School District, a statewide charter school, public charter school authorizer. So uh, that's something I share with Jonathan because I'm a former member of that board. And that's uh, another great one, one of the great things that we're doing here in South Carolina is our, is our work in the uh, charter school space. And the, uh, the, the superintendent of that board has been on the, uh, of that district has been on the show also as well. So gentlemen, uh, great to have you on Saturday morning coffee. Welcome to the program, Jonathan Butcher and Oren Smith. Thank you. Jonathan, are you with us? Did we lose Jonathan? Not on my end. So hmm. I guess we lost Jonathan somehow. Hang on a second. Well, Oren, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Yes, doing well. Great to talk to you as always, Reese. Um, we um, uh, somehow we did manage to lose. Uh, we'll try to get we'll try to get Jonathan back on the line. But or uh, Oren, I read your piece with uh, with uh, Palmetto Policy Institute on the problems with uh, with with what's going on in our school system. And and what is happening? What 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 is what what prompted this work by Palmetto Policy and 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 tell us a little bit about how that came to pass and what y'all have been doing in this space. Well, I am I am glad you you asked that question. What what prompted this? I would say the uh, the impetus for it was uh, after after COVID or during COVID, we saw parents, many parents for the first time, start to take notice of what was happening in education. Uh, the lockdowns had, had something to do with it. Um, the ability to uh, maybe have some time that they, that they did not have before. And as we said in that piece, it caused an outpouring of uh, interest by parents. A lot of parents' organizations were organized. And a lot of these uh, parents who were being involved in public policy for the first time we began to think at Palmetto Promise Institute, what, what do these parents know about the many different organizations that have some influence on their local public school? So we developed the idea of what we, we call here a dossier, uh, where we would just be able to briefly explain uh, the many organizations that are having uh, pressure pressure that are bearing down on on the local public schools. So we reached out to Jonathan uh, with the Heritage Foundation and uh, 
sought to see if we could partner uh, with him, which he graciously agreed to do. But we, we conceive of this, if you would, almost like a solar system, where in the center where the sun would, would be would be your child mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. public school. And then all around that, that sun would be uh, a constellation or a group of, of entities that are, are bringing pressure on that child, that school, those teachers, those parents. And then we just went from one to the next, sort of in the old-fashioned, you know, here's a, like Mission Impossible. Here's a dossier of, yeah. of who's who, what they're up to, what their motivations are, and what their goals are for you and your child and your family. So, and I think Jonathan might be on the line with us. We were having some technical difficulties. Jonathan, can you hear us? Yes, good morning. Great. So great to have you with us here on the show. Um, so Ed, tell us a little bit, uh, Oren, what, what are the primary organizations that are trying? Because we've seen, you know, you mentioned the rise of parental groups. We've seen that here in O'Ree County. There was a, a, a sort of a grassroots roots movement that arose here in O'Ree County talking about the uh, media resources, the books that were in the library. Some of them were just flatly inappropriate uh, books that were uh, graphic, detailed, sexually uh, oriented, and and in available in libraries that were uh, accessible to elementary school children in some cases, and just uh, really yeah. inappropriate stuff. And so we see the parents have become mobilized. But what what are some of the organizations that are out there that are working their their tentacles, their influence into our public schools, and and how do they how are they doing that? Well, you know, you you have started with one of the organizations that is less well known, and that is there is an organization of 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 school librarians that exists in South Carolina, and it has a national organization of school librarians, which is a part of the American Library Association. So these are the glorious folks that brought us the. Uh, drag queen story hour and mm-hmm. things such as this, but, but because it's a part of these other national groups, they, they use the South Carolina group to bring pressure on, um, well, uh, opposing the governor, opposing the state superintendent of education when they called for closer monitoring of what books were in our libraries. And then if you, you draw the connection, there's also a connection to higher education because in South Carolina, there is a unit of the University of South Carolina that was working in support of the South Carolina School Library Association, all for the purpose of, of subverting what the parents were saying about these books. And you mentioned um, the, the concern about these books. Here, here, is, here is a way of understanding the concern. When a parent read passages from one of these books at a school board meeting Mm -hmm. in Lexington, Richland 5, the superintendent asked the board's permission to remove the audio from the permanent record of the school board meeting because he felt it was inappropriate. Well, think of the irony of this. It was not appropriate to be read in front of a school board meeting and to be a permanent part of the audio archives of the school uh, board meeting of Lexington Richmond 5, 
but it was okay to have that in a library where a child could read it at any point. So this is the the nonsense sort of that we are presented, and it's all driven or partly driven by these national organizations that work with other state organizations sort of in concert. I, I don't hesitate to call it a conspiracy. It is a conspiratorial effort to undermine the traditional values of the people of South Carolina, for which the governor and the state superintendent have been standing. Yeah, we, we've been using that word a lot today on uh, today on the show, Orrin. It's a, it's a word that just keeps popping up for some reason. I'm not, I'm not sure why. Now, Jonathan, you've written a book, Splintered, Critical Race Theory and the Progressive War on Truth. The war on truth is something that we talk about a lot on this show. I've had many people, I've had school board members on this show, I've had school board chairmen on this show who've said, and I asked them, I said, is critical race theory being taught in the schools, certainly in Horry County, I've been told no. I'm generally told that critical, critical race theory is not being taught in South Carolina, generally, but that's a, that's a sweeping statement. But how... What is your view on that? You've written a book on the subject. Is critical race theory seeping its way into South Carolina schools? Yes, and that was one of the big topics that I cover in my book, is to answer the question of whether critical race theory is being taught uh, in schools around the country. And in my testimony, written testimony for the legislature earlier this year, I was able to footnote school districts in South Carolina that used work from the Southern Poverty Law Center's education arm called Learning for Justice, which is radically in favor of critical race theory and has lessons on so-called white privilege and the idea that because of the color of your skin, you are oppressive, right? So, yeah. you know, it has most certainly found its way uh, into, uh, into South Carolina schools, and it's not just the material, right? It's the application that results in racial discrimination, right? That's really what we're after. I mean, if you want to talk about marks in the classroom or if you want to educate students about, um, you know, some of the radical ideas from the 1960s, I mean, that's a matter of, of age appropriateness, right, for teachers to decide. But if you're going to have racial affinity groups where you separate students according to skin color for different school activities, that's something entirely different. Um, and that actually happened um, in uh, Pickens, or they tried to anyway, uh, just a couple of months ago. So. You know, it, it's not just the discussion, right? It's the actual use of racially prejudicial um, school activities. How How is that sort of racial distinguishing and those kinds of racial lines being drawn, how is that different from segregation, John? How is that something that we've been trying to get rid of since the 1960s, Jonathan? Yeah, and, and it isn't, and that's what's unfortunate. And I think that it, it, uh, it seems to have... Uh, crept up on people without without them recognizing exactly what's going on. And they, I think that the radical groups like the Learning for Justice, like Ibram X. Kendi, uh, who developed the concept of anti-racism, right? They, they present these ideas as though there is some sort of problem in American history that cannot be solved. And so the only way in which we can deal with discussing slavery from the 19th century or the failures of Reconstruction or the Jim Crow era is to create more racial discrimination. And Kendi, for Amen. one, says exactly exactly that, right? Yeah. Um, that discrimination is necessary uh, today. Uh, and you know the the difficult thing is that you know once you combine right the the just disgusting concept of discrimination with uh, the disgusting concept of Marxism, you have this totalitarian power struggle 
over who gets to decide what desegregate what segregation looks like, yeah. right? Who gets to decide what discrimination look like looks like? And suddenly, we're in this vicious power struggle, uh, which is really at the core of critical race theory. Well, guys, this is a fascinating discussion. We got to take a quick commercial timeout. Can you guys hang with us through a break? Sure. For, we're, we're talking to Oren Smith. And Jonathan Putcher, we're talking about a fascinating piece that Palmetto Promise Institute has issued on indoctrination versus education. What's happening in our schools? We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Text us 843-798-TALK. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour 827 on your saturday morning saturday december 17 we're talking about education versus indoctrination what's happening in our schools we're talking to oren smith and will skelman uh, excuse me and jonathan butcher both uh, john oren is with the palmetto promise institute jonathan butcher is with the heritage foundation he's also a visiting scholar at the palmetto promise institute they've written a fascinating piece that we've been talking about uh, Jonathan is the Will Skillman Fellow in Education at Heritage Foundation. Excuse me on that earlier misspeak. Uh, so, guys, w- one of the things I read this week, these ideas, obviously, there's this, the, the gender fluidity front, all of this, all that's happening there. We've got the critical race issues. We've got anti-capitalist theories, Marxism, the Howard Zinn versions of history, that sort of thing. All these things fall into what I would call ideas that are diametrically or at least mostly opposed to what we would all probably agree are sort of traditional American pro-family Judeo-Christian values and sort of the worldview that we have for generations, uh, many, many generations have raised children to to adhere to. And I I read something interesting this week. I I don't even remember exactly where I read it, but it, it was this, a country that teaches its children to hate itself cannot survive. And it seems to me that's what's going on. Is, uh, w- w- tell me, tell me, tell me are, are we raising patriots? Are we raising children to hate our country? What are these people who are seeping into our public schools, what are they trying to do? Well, I mean, I'll start. I mean, I think that the, uh, you know, the goal of critical race theory is to teach a skepticism of, the classical liberal values, so classical liberalism, right? Uh, representative government, the idea of um, you know, human flourishing, right? The concept of rights, um, of a constitution and law. Um, all of these things, critical race theory teaches, are created by the powerful to sustain their power. And so the, um, the 
godfather of critical race theory, uh, Derek Bell, said that he hopes that scholarly resistance would create wide-scale resistance. So they want to use education to create a resistance to the idea of the rule of law. Um, and so, you know, the the racial part of critical race theory is that the only way you can describe public and private life is through racism. And so, yes, I mean, that is counter to what our founding fathers tried to create with, um, you know, the notion of a representative system, of a system that is based on freedom and opportunity and equality under the law. In fact, equality theory is something that critical race theorists try to create suspicion around. So, yes, I mean, I, uh, from its inception in the, in the late 80s in particular, and then, of course, its roots going back to Germany in the 1920s, critical theory is trying to take apart the system of law that undergirds uh, the United States. Yeah. It is a fascinating uh, discussion. What, uh, Oren, do you have any thoughts on uh, what's, what, what the big picture is here? Uh, y- yes. I, you know, we, we cast this uh, in our paper as a clash of worldviews. In fact, uh, the, our, our assigned URL for folks to go to, to to read the report is palmettapromise.org slash worldviews. And uh, it, it is a unified system of belief that touches uh, not only race, but also economics, and and history. One of the exercises I put myself through to understand what was happening with some of the organizations that are active in South Carolina that have South Carolina affiliates actually surprised even me. I, I expected, for instance, the affiliate of the National Education Association, which is the South Carolina Education Association, I expected it to be relatively bland as far as their their ideological views, and I was I was suggest it was suggested to me to watch a podcast, a video podcast that they had done, where they were explaining or, or teaching teachers how to calm parents down about critical race theory. Hmm. They stated their goal at the beginning: we're going to teach you how to explain to parents how this is no big deal. Uh, calm everyone down, turn down the heat. Well, for the next hour, four speakers proceeded to deconstruct American history along the lines of the radical progressive historian Howard Zinn. Then they moved on to Ibram Kendi and how he explained that the real problem that was uh, at the root of racism was capitalism and how everyone should understand how evil capitalism is. So they start to wander around the ideological park, uh, touching every possible uh, area, showing that they have a unified worldview that I frankly believe is not uh, the worldview that most South Carolinians have. So we developed a really a simple chart uh, in, as the warring factions here, yeah. the traditional worldview versus this Marxist, anti-racist, kind of hate America worldview. And we'd be interested to know what your listeners think about the way we have uh, set up the, the, the array of battle between these two warring camps. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me, Zen has had such an impact on education, um, Oren and, and Jonathan, but his, his conclusions, many of them are faulty. He's mostly been debunked. If you really, if you really subject his writings, the people's history of the United States that, that, that you know, been pumped into so many schools by so many different organizations, but many of his, many of his conclusions are just absolutely, you know, farcical and, uh, and it's, it's a warped view of us history. I think it was in the school when I was in school, but it was, it was out there to show that there, Hey, there are other ways to look at some of these issues, but it was not taught as truth by any stretch of the imagination. It just was there. It was occasionally referenced as to say, Hey, there are other people who think other things about some of the stuff that we assume as our history. But, but yeah, it's a fascinating discussion. Y'all, I really appreciate the work. I too, uh, or encourage people to download the report. As you said, you can download it at palmettapromise.org slash, and what's the, what follows the slash? Worldviews. Worldviews. So palmettapromise.org slash worldviews. It's a fascinating discussion, guys. We could do a much deeper dive on it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today, but I really appreciate y'all coming on the show with us. There is so much in this report, or, and I encourage everybody to download it, review it, to stay active, to stay involved, and to realize that there is nothing, we do nothing as a society that is more important than teaching our children how to view the world, how to look at the world, and how to relate to one another. So, thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate I appreciate y'all coming on the show. Y'all come back and join us uh, anytime. Always great to have you with us. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Oren. Uh, folks, check them out at Palmetto Promise Institute. Y'all have a great day and a Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Take care. Folks, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, and more coming up next on Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. I know you wanted to hear this instead. what you wanted to hear, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That guy is blazing on that banjo. I don't get this. This doesn't sound like old anxiety. Yeah, it does. Sure does. Pass that jug over here. Let me take a sip. Then it'll sound like old anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I'm not sure what that was, but that was a little mesh up for you. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I want to thank Oren Smith and Jonathan Butcher for joining us. That is a that is a fascinating discussion, folks. What's happening in our schools? Uh, so important, and I'm so glad that people are getting, you know, 
turned on to the idea that we have to watch what's happening in our schools. And there are so many organizations that want to get their hands around the little mush brains of your children because that is the future, folks. And in fact, that's what we're living through today. We're living through the results of what's been happening in our schools for now a couple of generations. And I think that's the source of so many of our problems. But but people, families, finally waking up to this, I think. So, uh, yeah, that's a little old Lang Syne, Glenn. Boy, that's, I think that's the... Uh, <laughs> that those, sure didn't sound like it to me. <laughs> you got to listen. You got you to gotta pick out the banjo. I think that's the Virginia Travelers. I can't remember who. It is the Virginia Travelers. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Talking, the Lonesome Travelers. The Lonesome Travelers. You know why they're lonesome? Because they play songs you can't understand. You can't understand, but it's good stuff, though. It's good stuff. I want to thank... Guys. Speaking of Virginia, I think I, I think I was looking at the text line. The Virginia Gentleman. Checking in this morning on the PCRX Mobile Outfitters text line, uh, Al the Real Man, Tony the uh, PBR bass player. Thank you all so much. Tom Heron checking in, my good friend Tom Heron. And uh, wanted to uh, turn over to our next guest where he's patiently waiting on the line. Folks, I had the opportunity, like so many of you, to get to know Jerome Hudson through his appearance on the Liz Calloway Morning Show. And Liz, and, uh, Liz has Jerome as a regular guest on her show. And he is uh, the entertainment editor of Breitbart.com. Uh, and he joins us today here on Saturday Morning Coffee to, to talk about a couple of tomes that he's written, fascinating works, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know and 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump. So, Jerome, <laughs> good morning. Welcome to Saturday Morning Coffee. Oh, uh, good morning to you. Uh, it's good to be here. It's great to have uh, you. Uh, it's funny. I was listening to you, and I'm actually... Um, I fill in on the Sirius XM Patriot 125 whenever our editor-in-chief, Alex Marlowe, is out. And uh, I actually won't be on Liz's program on Tuesday because I will be on the air on Tuesday. So I have to I have to send that, that sad email out. Yeah. Now that I, that I thought about it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, shoot her, I'll shoot her a quick text, uh, let her know. D- D- David Ng, uh, who is a uh, great reporter, uh, usually fills in when I can't make it on Liz's program. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy your segments, uh, Jerome. I did, I, I confess, I did, <laughs> I had not been made familiar with your work until uh, Liz invited you on her show, and I listened to you a few times, and I said, I really like what Jerome, I like his attitude, I like his, his look, his, uh, his outlook uh, on things. And so I checked, out, I checked out your books, and I did not know... There is so much wisdom, uh, Jerome, that you have crammed into your two, the two books that I'm most familiar with, the two that I bought. I bought, I started with 50 things they don't want you to know. And and by the way, who are the they? Let's just go ahead and address that, get that out of the, out of the way. Yeah, no, it's, um, the power elite, you know, you you think about the education institution, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's all the way up from the Ivy League. Uh, and, and, and as we've been, uh, fully aware of now, you know, your local school boards, yeah. um, they, they literally don't want you to know what they're teaching your kids. Yeah. Um, it is obviously the, the establishment, uh, corporate media, the tech giants. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that book is largely dedicated to the lawmakers who over the last two or three generations, um, have, promised us that they'll solve the problems that many of them actually helped create. Yeah. Um, they, <laughs> you think about Nancy Pelosi saying, oh, we'll find out what's in the bill after we pass it. And we're literally still finding out what's in Obamacare yeah. years later. Absolutely. Absolutely. And give to 
put a little context to the discussion. When did you, when did 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know, when did that book come out? Uh, I got a call from uh, Eric Nelson yeah. at HarperCollins in 28, summer 2018, so it took me about a year to write it. Yeah. It came out in September 2019. Yeah. So it's been it's been out a couple of years, and then and the years, and the yeah. Trump book came out a year after that, a couple of years after that, the following year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I think they've aged pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I must say I was a little late to the party, but I was fascinated by both books um, among the jewels of wisdom. And I encourage y'all to get both of them. They're both available on Amazon. I'll post a link to the books on the Saturday Morning Coffee Facebook page. But uh, among the jewels of wisdom you have here. And I just want to run through a few of them real quick, Joel, and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. But from 2012 to 2016, more black women in New York City had abortions than gave birth. That's something I did not know. Uh, Next item, black and Hispanic. This one is fascinating, y'all. I want you to think about what I'm about to say to you. Black and Hispanic students are more underrepresented at America's top (laughs) colleges and universities now than before affirmative action programs were instituted. That's that we could devote a whole show uh, to that (laughs) sentence, uh, Joel. Drug overdoses. Drug overdoses kill more Americans than gun violence. Um, Item. The U.S. resettled more refugees in 2018 than any other country. Item. America protects and foots the bill for border walls all around the world. I, I'm I, again. We, we've lined up several shows in the last ten seconds. Uh, item: Google Google could swing an election by secretly adjusting its search algorithm, and we would have no way of knowing. And I don't. Again, you wrote that probably in 2018 ish. I mean, we just 2018, yeah. yeah, we just we just saw that happen, uh, Joel. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, it's uh, it, Jerome, and it's it's like it's pro- it's almost like prophecy. Speaking of prophecy. Item, Christianity is the world's most persecuted religion. So, but let's uh, let's chat for a minute about um, I don't know you, what do you want to chat about? Those were the ones that 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 just absolutely caught my attention. Oh, and the other one is uh, where have you got about the three hundred and twenty-two, the twenty-two trillion uh, somewhere in here? Uh, yeah, twenty-two it's trillion on welfare. Yeah, in, uh, in, in, in the war yeah. on poverty, the U.S. has spent twenty-two. Yeah trillion dollars fighting poverty that's of course since wow. uh, 22 trillion joe by my rough calculations that's enough to write every man woman and child in the united states all 33 330 million of us a check for approximately sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars i'm sure that number is just a coincidence yeah there's 16 um, <laughs> now, now 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 do the math excluding those ages zero to 17 because i mean come on we really don't want to give given several thousand dollars to teenagers and, oh yeah that's toddlers that would be bad uh, that would be bad <laughs> but no your point is a brilliant one um i think the great may he rest in peace Tr- charles krauthammer was one of those conservative thinkers who actually subscribed to the idea that look if we're going to develop you know, over a hundred different welfare programs, we may as well just give cash to those people living on the margins. Um, You know, so I'll say I started the book with the abortion statistic about black women in New York City. And it's funny, I've 
I've written at uh, several different outlets. And I remember writing an article for uh, uh, The Daily Caller in 2011. And I wrote, it was about abortion, and I wrote a similar column, you know, around that time for Human Event. And I remember in 2013 seeing a, a, a data point that more women had abortions in New York City than gave live birth. Now, I don't remember if it was broken down along racial lines. And so I knew I wanted to write about abortion in my first book, and I was trying to figure out a way to have the conversation. I think if you read that chapter and you don't know who Jerome Hudson is, I think if you read that chapter, or at least my intent was, Reese, that you read that chapter and you're absolutely jarred. You're absolutely floored and shaken to your core that according to New York Department of Health data, so this isn't, you know, me saying it, it is people who've dedicated their lives to research uh, and crunching the numbers, saying that for five years, from 2012 to 2016, Black women who were pregnant aborted those pregnancies more than black women who were pregnant gave live birth. Yeah. I My editor actually called me when I sent him the chapter because, you know, he's a New York guy, born and bred. A lot of his friends are liberal. Uh, a lot of his female friends are liberal and pretty pro-choice on the issue of life. And he, he honestly didn't believe that what he'd read was true, but it was, and that was sort of the point. Uh, and, you know, I <laughs> I tell people, if you're reading my first book, you know, you might want to uh, pair it with the bourbon. It's yeah. a little rough it to pair, begin with. It pairs well. Uh, it is, it's a jarring chapter, Joel, and we got to take a quick break, but it's a jarring chapter because it makes you realize if you're, for young African-American children, and I mean the unborn, if you subscribe to the theory, which I think most of us do, that life begins before the child leaves the woman's body it's it's yeah. the most dangerous time of life is am i going to make it out of the womb am i going to get out of how, you know am i going to how many clarence thomas's how many yeah. barack obama's if you will i mean were are not alive today um because too often on the left the this culture of death first yeah. and life last is so accepted. Yeah, Joe, we got to take a quick break. Can you hang with us? I'd love to chat with you further. Yes, folks, we're talking. Yeah. We're, we're talking to Jerome Hudson. Uh, Jerome is uh, joining us here to talk about his about some great books. So stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. We're talking to Jerome Hudson. Jerome, I knew this was going to happen. We had this conversation. You got two books. I knew we'd never get to the Trump book. So let me just say right now, I want to bring you back on later to talk about the Trump book, which is equally fascinating and equally insightful and equally chock full of wisdom. We were talking about uh, how the uh, the most dangerous uh, period of life for unborn African-American children in certain periods of, of time, I forget the time you looked at to study, but is the time before they're born more than half uh, being aborted, which is just shocking. It's a, it's a, it's a, just a shocking chapter, but I want to turn briefly in the few minutes that we have left to the whole issue that affirmative action has made things worse. I want to read this to you. This paragraph struck me tragically. We're talking about how students, and I think it doesn't just apply to the university context, but, Mm -hmm. but elsewhere as well. Tragically, for blacks, women, and other, quote, oppressed, close quote, minorities, affirmative action indirectly communicated a demoralizing message of infor- inferiority that reinforces the same separatism that it set out to solve. It is pure illogic to think that you can fight fire with fire and get anything other than scorched earth. Reverse discrimination cannot cure discrimination. Or, as Chief, as Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts put it, the way to, the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Um, what, 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 how do we solve this, this conundrum of affirmative action in America? Well, we do away with every single policy in every iteration on every single level, whether you're hiring for, you know, first responders, as it was controversial, I think, 10 or 15 years ago, the testing for firefighters, um, or you're doing admission on institutions of education. Um, to do away with every racial set-aside quota, I know a lot of it is, illegal now but these these schools in many cases at least specifically speaking come up with um these different avenues to you know weighing <laughs> geography and uh and and all of this this other stuff it it should be the decision of admitting a student or hiring someone should be done on the basis of merit um you know their recommendations their work experience Mm-hmm. And race should race should be immaterial completely. Um, and that that you know that 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 yeah. calls for something that is very hard for people to do, which is first it, it, admit the problem and stop it full stop. Yeah. Um, this this isn't a vice. You know, this we're not addicted <laughs> to yeah. this drug. We 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 can look at the lives that have been destroyed, lives that have been upended, people who've been sent to one college campus because someone wanted to check a racial box and they underperformed or dropped out. Um, This has happened to hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, It's called mismatch, but um, we have to stop this madness because it is, if the goal was to have, we got about 60 seconds. If the goal was to have college campuses be more represented racially, uh, then it's been an unmitigated failure. Yeah. Action. Jerome, we're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately. We could talk all day long about the topics you address in these books, folks. These are two fascinating books. Please check them out. Jerome, come back on the show. You're going to do that for me, won't I you? certainly will. All right, very Absolutely. good. Thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Folks, let me leave you with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Folks, that's Saturday Morning Coffee for Saturday, December 17th. Stick with us next week. Join us for more Saturday Morning Coffee. Y'all have a Merry Christmas. I'm Reese Boyd. Take care.